Hi, I'm Kendall Gilding and this is My 30 Minutes with Amy Shepard. Amy is a singer-songwriter best known for her work in the Aussie indie pop band Shepard. But there is so much more to Amy than just the blue-haired bombshell who found herself in a ragingly successful family band. Amy had a sliding doors moment early last year while she was editing a photo to post on Instagram. Instead, she ditched the filters and posted it raw. That sparked her social media revolution called Kiss My Fat Ass. Having struggled with her weight since childhood, Amy's found a cathartic outlet for being authentic and encouraging other people to embrace their bodies too. Amy's about to turn 30 and it blows me away how much this young, talented, creative woman has gleaned from the world in that short amount of time. How she feels about success, dealing with fame, even the silver linings of a pandemic will give you nourishing perspective on life. I left our chat in awe of Amy. It's pretty rare for me to fangirl, but she deserves every ounce of that stardom. And it's been a huge week for this rock star, a 30th birthday party topped off with a surprise proposal. A huge congrats to Amy and Lachlan on their engagement. Here's my 30 minutes with Amy Shepard. Amy, welcome to My 30 Minutes and thank you for having me in the home studio. This is where the shepherd magic happens. It is, right here. I mean, we've written a lot of songs in this house, including Geronimo and Let Me Down Easy. All of them basically were written right here. It's pretty cool and it's a surprisingly cosy little space. It is, just a little nook. It used to be a cinema room. We're in my mum's house. Um, so we've taken over. We're like, you don't watch movies in here. We're going to use it as a studio. So yeah, it's a really, we're really lucky to have this space. It's really central in Brisbane. And um, yeah, it's nice to have a space that you can just come and be creative whenever you want, any time of the night. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, mum. No, that is cool. <laughs> how often or how many hours a day would you spend in here? Um, we spend a lot of time in here. Every day we come in at about like midday or one o'clock and then we work up until seven or eight, depending on what we've got to do. So it's really not that hectic, but I've spent many hours in here over time. I love that, the muso kind of lifestyle where you start at midday or late. No, there is no (laughs) starting before midday. That's why like when we're on a promo run, it is hell for us because we're like, you know, early morning TV. We're just not equipped for that kind of life, Kendall. I love it. (laughs) Now, as a band, you've set a huge task this year and you're releasing a new song every month. So artists typically will work on a full album. There'll be some really strategic plan around how you release it, why you release it at that time and in what way you choose to do it. So what you're doing really breaks the mould. What's been the process behind that as a band? Look, we we decided this year that we really wanted to knuckle down and write the album that we wanted to write. And for that, you need a lot of time. And I think for since we released Geronimo, our schedule has been hectic. It's just been like flying here, flying there, um, promo run. And then it's so often the job isn't about the music. So we kind of just wanted to focus before COVID happened. We wanted to focus on writing more music and releasing more music for our fans. So that was our goal. And um we're lucky, I guess, in the sense that COVID did happen and we were equipped and ready. We had a plan already and, yeah, we were just going to release, write and release as much music as we possibly could. So that turned out really well. Um, it has been quite challenging because um, to write a song, is it just doesn't happen that easily. Um, and we've had to put a lot of effort and time in, but it's it's going well. We've got to, uh, what are we, September 
and um, we're gonna we're gonna get the September song done. We'll probably finish that one off today. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's just nice to have a music every month and have each single have its time in the sun because the way that people consume music these days is just so fast paced and rapid that. Um, when you release an album, sadly, people don't listen to every track and so many songs just get, I guess, not wasted, but just get overlooked. And it's, it's nice to have every single song have their own personality and um, moment in the sun. So no songs get left behind. I love that moment in the sun and very true because you've got a whole month to mm. listen to it, to enjoy it. And then the next one comes out, which yeah, is awesome. Exactly. And there's not too much pressure because for so so long we'd release a song and we'd be writing on that song to do really well. Whereas now we're like, oh, well, the next one's coming. So no pressure. You're constantly looking ahead. Right. On the Shepherd website, it describes this music that you're making at the moment as the most anthemic, uplifting declaration of love we've ever written. That's a huge call from a <laughs> band that wrote Geronimo. Mm. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's just that we've had the chance to focus and write a whole album that we want to write. I think when we wrote Geronimo, like that song obviously is great and we love that song, but for the rest of the album, I don't think we got enough time and chance to really work on the songs that we wanted to release. We weren't ready to have a song that big, I don't think, but I mean, you can't choose timing of things. Um, But we're really proud of this album. We've worked so hard and it's exactly how we want it to sound. And I think, um, yeah, we're probably going to be the most proud of this album when it comes out. It's interesting hearing you talk about the success of a song like Geronimo because that went to number one, not just in Australia, but around the world in so many different countries. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to sing a little bit of the chorus just to... (laughs) (laughs) Geronimo. (laughs) It's the kind of song that there wouldn't wouldn't be too many people in our country that couldn't sing along to that chorus. Mm. It's so catchy. And I find it amazing that you're describing this new music as anthemic, but everything you write is a real anthem. It's catchy. And I feel like as a listener, you can grab a hold of anything you're putting together. What's the ambition when you sit down to write music? I guess we just write what feels good to us and we write what we want to hear. And that just so happens to be that anthemic, really like crowd pleasing songs. And I mean, we never set out to write a particular song. And I think you can hear that when you listen to the whole albums rather than just the singles. Um, but it just so happens that people really gravitate towards those, you know, those big stadium-esque songs. So Geronimo and Coming Home and Symphony, people love to hear that from us. And um, luckily we love to write those songs. You've been doing this for the better part of a decade and you've written so many hit songs, but as artists, you do rely on touring to make money. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned COVID before. What sort of impact has that had on your ability to make a living, to have a livelihood. Yeah, look, it's it's tough. And I can't imagine what some musicians are going through. You know, we are lucky because we are such, I guess, strong songwriters and that's a huge chunk of our income comes from um, royalties and also from um, having our songs being synced to like ads and whatever else. So we're really fortunate to have the publishing side of things. Um, but yeah, we, we've missed out on hundreds of thousands of dollars this year um, in touring and yeah I just can't my heart goes out to the other artists who really really rely on um, touring but I guess we've just had to like pivot a little bit and make sure that we're putting everything we can into the writing this year and I think there's not much more you can do you've just got to keep going and make it work. I imagine the plus side is that you're home a bit more and when Geronimo Mm. hit and it did so well as you said earlier 
it would have been a pretty tough slog and you wouldn't have spent a lot of time at home. You would have been traveling a lot. So has it been strange to be home so much? Oh, it's actually been really nice. I've got to admit, I'm not, you know, I don't want to like jinx myself because, you know, when you say something like, oh, I love staying home and then you'll never get a gig again. That's how <laughs> I feel. But um, it's been really nice just having that chance to be home and not have to hop on a plane because that is honestly one of my least favourite parts of the job is having to go to airports and wait and wait and wait, hurry up and wait. You know, that's our lives. So it's been really nice just to not worry about all of that stuff, all of that extra stuff that doesn't matter and just, um, yeah, focus on the songs, which is what we set out to do in the beginning when we started this band, you know, not to hop on planes. and <laughs> That's part of the job. What can you do? When we talk about your livelihoods, are you able to make a living out of what you guys are still doing this year when you can't tour? You're a big band and there's a lot of people, so it's a bit different to being <laughs> a solo artist who's kind of reaping the rewards of the music they're writing and making. Mm. You've got to spread that out between a whole lot of people. Yeah, it's um, it's challenging. It's not going to be our best year, but um, hopefully next year is going to be better and uh, hopefully we'll have a hit, you know massive hit from this album and it'll work out. Um, but, yeah, it's it's tough year. It's always tough. I mean, we're not like. I think some people might think that we're like just absolutely rolling in it and <laughs> buying designer bags every day. But um, no, the reality is we're putting all of our investments back into the band and paying wages and um, making sure there's enough money in there to tour when we can tour and keeping the business afloat. So I think any business owner can relate to that and how hard it is to keep your head above water, especially in a time like this. But um, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through and um, yeah, I I don't know. We'll see. Not our best year, but we'll be okay. As independent artists, marketing and branding are really crucial. So things like social media are so important for promoting your work and your partnerships. You said earlier that in the early days, you thought you were just making music, but it becomes so much bigger than that. It becomes a real machine and you've got to be doing so many other things to make it all come mm. together to actually mm -hmm. make money and get people to listen to your music. How do you feel about having a public profile? Look, fame is a bit of a beast. It's um, I never set out to be famous and I think if I could just write music and be successful and run a business without having to be famous, like I would definitely choose that option. Um, I think not that we're like the most famous people on earth, but when we had Geronimo, like we did get to a level of international fame and it was so scary just the thought of losing your freedom, not being able to go down the street without someone stopping you. Um, and it, my heart really went out to people like Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande, those mega famous people that can't go anywhere. It must be suffocating not to be able to leave your house and just switch it off. Uh, I think if I was in that position, I'd be wearing disguises when I went out because it is suffocating and nowhere in the world can they go without being stopped or recognised. And yeah, it's it's scary. Plus all the trolls that come with um, being on the public um, forefront and, yeah, it can be a nasty place, but I've just got to be grateful for what we have been given and um, I try not to complain or take anything too personally, which is hard at times. But, um, yeah, it is, it is funny, all the things that you have to go through just to release music and be an artist. Well, speaking of your public profile, you had a breakthrough moment last year. You were editing a photo and you decided to post it without a filter at all. And that sparked your Kiss My Fat Ass campaign. Can you tell me about that moment? 
Yeah, so I think it was for a couple of years, like social media just wasn't really sitting right for me. I I started posting photos like next to each other, one with a filter, one without, but I never went the full like his cellulite because that was such a like dun dun dun. <laughs> and I, I mean, my weight has always been something that I've been really, really self-conscious of. I grew up and I was an overweight child and I was bullied for that. And so that's something that I've struggled with my whole life and being, I've been bullied for being larger for my whole life, even up until now. <laughs> like it's crazy. The, the weight that people put on how you look is just so ridiculous. So anyway, I was a victim to those pressures and I found myself editing photos and posting photos that were like my best angles and I'd taken them a thousand times and um, I just got really sick of it, sick of that front, sick of people praising others that were putting up a fake front and um, yeah, on the kiss, the, the day that I did post that photo, I... Um, I took I, my boyfriend took the photo. I saw the photo and I hated it. So I spent about five minutes airbrushing the back of my legs, and I was like, "Ah, now I'm perfect. I can upload it." And then I just got this pang of guilt because I was like, "You know, the majority of my followers are young women, and how could I post this photo and pretend that this was my body and they're comparing their real bodies to my fake ass?" So I posted the photo as it was, and then it started a whole <laughs> movement, which is insane. Like. It just goes to show that, you know, I actually was shocked at how people reacted to that one photo. And, um, yeah, the hashtag kiss my fat ass started from that because women from all over the world were joining in and posting their kiss my fat ass photos. It's incredible too because social media is such a game where you're trying to post a photo that will get some traction and it can rely a lot on the algorithm and it's just a weird, weird place to hang out. I know, isn't it? But this particular photo, I mean, there is a lot of pressure to post stuff that's perfect in order to get traction and have followers. And the photo that you thought was probably not going to do that got you more likes know, than any before. <laughs> and it, it shocked me so much because it just goes to show how much a little bit of cellulite shocked people and, you know, got people talking and got people involved. And it just goes to show the kind of climate we're living in when it comes to body image. I think people crave that level of honesty. So it's very refreshing to see someone like you who has a public profile actually show I'm just like you too. And what I love about you, anyone that follows you would know, you work out like every single day. So we're not talking about someone who neglects their body or, you know, you're doing all the right things to look after yourself, but we still have cellulite. Yeah. You can go to the gym and still have cellulite. Yeah, I mean, the only time that I've ever been able to fit into a size eight is just by starving myself. And I'm just not willing to do it. Like I want to live my life. I want to take care of my body. And part of taking care of your body is going to the gym. And part of taking care of your body is eating the cake when you want it. So finding that balance has been a lifelong struggle for me. But since I released this Kiss My Fat Ass movement, it's just been so healing for me and hopefully others. Um, and yeah, I just feel like a new person because I can eat, you know, I can eat the cake and be fine and I can go to the gym and I'm not punishing my body. I'm, you know, celebrating what my body can do and really um, getting involved in gym challenges and things like that make it fun and it's no longer a punishment. Able to embrace who you actually are, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. The campaign did gain instant traction and that led to you writing a song by the same name. Mm -hmm. You then did an incredibly inspirational music video with a whole bunch of other women in it. 
You're now known for these really raw, unfiltered images on Instagram, and they're inspiring a whole generation of social media users. It's been over a year and a half since you kicked this off. So it was January 2019 when you first posted that photo. Do you feel like you've lost any momentum for the campaign? I'm just curious whether sometimes you don't want to be the kiss my fat ass girl, or is it something you can see yourself doing for a long time to come? Um, I think I'll be doing it for a really long time because I still get messages these to this day of women saying thank you because of your posts. It gives me permission to go to the gym with my child. Oh, sorry, go to the beach with my child and not feel judged. Um, and that's what really keeps me going. So until messages like that stop and I can really feel people getting tired of my fat ass, then I'm going to continue because I feel like one, it's authentically me. And two, I feel like I'm helping other women just break through some of those body image barriers. Um, but of course, I have to pepper it with a bit of shepherd because that's that's <laughs> part of me too. So I think I'm just going to be as raw and real as I possibly can also be on social media. You're preparing to celebrate a milestone birthday. Dun, dun, dun. You turn 30 this month, which is very yeah. exciting. I actually turned 30 a few days after you. So really? Yeah. When's your birthday? The 30th of September. There you go. I'm 30 on the 30th. Um, what you've achieved in your career and at such a young age and being able to have this traction with this campaign and so many followers on social media, all of that is very groundbreaking for someone who's not yet 30. Why do you think you're so successful? Oh, thank you. I don't know. I don't really like look at myself as six, you know, really successful and under 30. I just keep going and I keep pushing myself. And I, I think that I have a really strong work ethic. You know, I'm not really good at that many things. I remember growing up, I used to get really upset because I wasn't, I wasn't the fastest at anything. I wasn't good at sport. I wasn't good at music even. It's all something that I've worked on. And I think that's my strongest asset is that I have a really strong work ethic and I put my heart and soul into everything that I do. Do you think you're able to define success, not just for yourself, but for other people? Like what would you say the definition for success might be? I would say it's if you're satisfied with your work ethic and if you put in the hardest you hardest effort that you possibly can or could have and you're satisfied with that effort, that's all you can do. Like you can't really determine success on money or fame or followers. That's like the biggest mistake you can do. I think you can maybe compare. See, I'm, I'm even careful about saying you can compare yourself to yourself because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a trap is as the well. thief of joy. <laughs> that's a big trap as well. But I think um, as long as you're happy and you're progressing, I think that's the main measure of success. I mean, it's happiness. I've spoken with your sister, Emma. She's also a member of Shepherd. <laughs> I asked why she thinks you've been so successful and oh, been yeah? able to make such an impact. She said, Amy knows what she wants and has always had a clear vision. She's also such a strong woman and doesn't take any SHIT from anyone. (laughs) Wow, coming from Emma herself. (laughs) Where do you think you get that strength from? Do you consider yourself strong? Um, At times. At times I do. But it, it has been a long journey to get here to where I am. And I think I've got a lot of growing yet to do. I'm... um. I'm looking forward to turning 30 because I'm feeling more secure than I ever have in my life. And I feel like I'm just coming into my peak, but I don't know where the peak is. I feel like it never, never ends. I'm just always striving. And um, I think that's all you can do is strive to be your best. 
I've also spoken with your partner, Lachlan, who you've been with for six years. <laughs> I asked him to describe you in three words. If he could only pick three, what would they be? And he said, generous, humble, and fierce. Ooh. I really love the word <laughs> fierce because it's a brilliant adjective, but it's completely in line with what Emma said, that that strength and um, fierceness. It also shows how much he supports you, your success and your strength rather than being intimidated by it. So I particularly love the word Mm. fierce. But what I want to focus on is the word humble. We have talked about fame and you are a music star. When you've got all of this influence and all of this attention, how, how do you find a way to stay humble throughout all that? I think it's my family. I mean, it's nothing like a sister and brother to bring you right back down to earth when you get, you know, um, a big head, but yeah, definitely family and good friends and, um, just keeping, yeah, keeping your loved ones close, I think is really important. And fame, it's not a real thing. You know, you've got to remember that anytime you're following anybody, it's not real. You know, everyone has issues and body image issues and self-conscious issues, whatever it is. Um, nobody's perfect and we're all just human. And I think I've never forgotten that. And also I think, you know, growing up in PNG, it's a third world country and having seen what other people, you know, how the other half live is just really humbling. You know, that's when you can go to a third world country and you really see how people live. Yeah, there's no experience like that to bring you back down to earth. I'm sure a lot of people don't even realise you were born in PNG in yes, Port Moresby and grew up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we- did you move to Australia? Um, I moved to Australia for boarding school. So I think I was 12 um, and I went to an all-girls boarding school, which was a really life-changing experience, crazy experience, because I was so used to living with my family behind barbed wire, you know, really sheltered life. And then I came to an all-girls private school and I tell you what, I was in for another thing. Um, but yeah, I think growing up in PNG has definitely shaped a lot of the person that I am today. I also asked Emma to describe you in three words, and Emma did something that no one's ever done before. So typically oh. people pick three words. Emma's three words were a statement. Oh, what, <laughs> what is it? It is the ultimate influencer. Oh, that's nice. When we talk about influencers, often it is tied to that idea of social media, but it is possible to be influential even without a social media platform. Do you feel comfortable with influence? <laughs> I think I do now because it's authentic. Um, Up until a year and a half ago, not so much because I was posting stuff that wasn't really authentic to me. So, um, but now, yes, I do. Yeah. But that's nice. That's a really nice statement. (laughs) So true. I imagine it must be very freeing for you to post stuff that's, and gosh, you must save a lot of time on not filtering things. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Look, like I still feel, I still filter stuff because I like the, um, the colour aesthetic, but I don't use Facetune. I don't use, you know, I'm, I'm not always posting the best angles and I think that is so freeing. It's, um, yeah, it's just a weight off your shoulders and you can just be yourself and no matter what anyone says, it doesn't matter because I like me and I like the way I look and my boyfriend likes the way I look and he's very supportive and nothing else really matters. Lachlan also gave me a beautiful insight to you by saying she genuinely has a burning desire to achieve and create change with what she does. She understands that not everyone will support her and she's fine with that. 
And I love that concept as well because there's no element of you that's just going to bow to public pressure. Do you find you do get a lot of backlash or opposition in anything you do? Oh, in everything I do. Um, You can't please everyone, but if I let that stop me, I I don't know where I'd be. I'd just be like sitting in my bedroom doing nothing. Um, Yeah, when you do anything publicly, there's always going to be people on the opposite side saying you shouldn't be doing it. But I mean, I know that I'm, for what I do, it comes from a good place, everything I do. And I think you can be humble and fierce at the same time. You can be strong and um, shy as well, because I'm actually a really shy, introverted person. Um, and I think, yeah, you can't fall into those stereotypes of what it is to be a woman and you, you should like sit back and not have a strong opinion. Um, yeah, so now I'm just rambling. such good points I love that we mentioned that you're about to turn 30 you've obviously got a huge career ahead of you but what does the future hold for Amy Shepherd obviously more music um, Mm -hmm. but is there anything else you'd still love to achieve what can you see for yourself um what can I see for myself look I've got a few things up my sleeve that I'd love to share but I can't yet but there's more coming you guys (laughs) and um I'm just going to continue being me and doing what I do authentically. And yeah, I I would love to work out a little something more with Kiss My Fat Ass. I'm not quite sure because I'm, there's a fine line between like giving a lot of yourself to the internet and like not wanting to monetize it and like giving the internet more. Um, There's always people asking for more and more and more, but I'm not quite sure. I haven't worked out what I'm going to do with Kiss My Fat Ass, but I will continue sharing my photos um, with the music. Yeah, lots of new songs coming. I'd like to have a few more singles that I'm singing on because a lot of the songs are George, you know, George on lead vocals. Um, And it's funny because not a lot of, you know, on YouTube, there's a few comments like, bring the boy back. I like George's voice more. (laughs) It's not. So that kind of drives me to do it more. (laughs) I'm like, excuse me. Um, Yeah, so a lot more Amy singles. And a few things that I can't mention, but I will um, be announcing if you are following me. We're desperate to know. We're going to have to stay tuned. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to like dance around that without giving too much away. <laughs> Fair enough. You do have to keep some secrets. Something that's about to happen in Brisbane is the AFL Grand Final. It's yes. due to happen. Lots and we'll, of chitter chatter about the there's AFL. Been a, <laughs> there's been a bit of chitter chatter about Shepherd performing at the Grand Final. You guys aren't locked in. Um, we aren't locked in, but we've got our hand up. You know? Do you? We do. We're like, please pick us. Confidently up. Oh, we, we would love that opportunity. It's in Brisbane. It's at the Gabba, just around the corner from where I live. And yeah, but we haven't heard yet. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'm sure they'll announce it soon, right? We've heard some talk, you know, but I don't know. It's really hard. This industry is always really last minute. They're like, it could be like, you're going to New York tomorrow, pack your bags. <laughs> so we probably won't find out until everybody else finds out, to be honest. You'll find out when it hits the media. Yeah, but our management knows. They've put us forward, so we'll see. And a pretty amazing opportunity because this kind of stuff, mm. like to be in your hometown, it's just another silver lining of COVID. I know. I mean, we, we wrote a whole song about Brisbane as well, so I think we'd be a good good um, candidate. <laughs> of course, we were like, oh, look, if Col- if Coldplay, if um, Powderfinger – we're going to have the gig like, wow, like we'll bow down to that. But we'd love this opportunity, honestly. Um, and, yeah, it'd just be nice to have some, yeah, local Australian music out there because so often 
we lose out to those international acts. So I think COVID's going to really like work in our favour when we can start doing a little bit. When when the events start back, I think it's going to be a really good thing for Australian music. What are you most looking forward to doing once COVID's over or the borders are open or life is seemingly returning to normal? Um, I think I'll be ready to jump on a plane soon. <laughs> um, just shows. We really do miss that interaction with our fans because um, we do a lot of touring throughout the year and just being able to have your fans singing your song back to you and being able to meet them after the shows. It's just not the same as doing like an online, like we've been doing a lot of lives. We do a live a week. Um, it's not the same. It's not the same. So we really want to get out there and um, meet our fans. I think we've made some new fans this year as well. So it'd be great to put on a show so we can show everyone what we've got. Well, Amy, thank you for joining me for my 30 minutes. I'll put all of your details in the show notes. So if people want to follow Amy on Instagram, make sure you check out the Shepherd website. I'll have it there so you'll be able to find it. Amy, keep making music, keep spreading the body positivity word, and we will be following you for the ride. Thanks, Kendall. Thanks, Kendall.